0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast. The podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. You're inside. I'm getting some fantastic feedback about the podcast and the fascinating guests I've spoken to. It's great to hear that you're enjoying it and it would be wonderful if you could write a little review of it on Apple Podcasts as not only does that please the algorithms but it also looks great for any possible future or contact as it shows that people are listening. As ever, subscribing to and rating the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on is much appreciated as that encourages the algorithms to push it to more new listeners. Spreading the word by the traditional methods of uh, telling people about it is also much appreciated. Thank you. You can find me and learn more about the projects I'm working on at robertlamemusic.co.uk, and I'm on social media as Robert Lane Music. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with British songwriter and musician Roxanne Debastian. We recorded this right back at the start of June and as I talk to you now at the start of July, the situation regarding lockdown has changed a little bit in the UK, although a lot of what we were saying about it did seem quite prescient. Here's my conversation with Roxanne. Hi, Roxanne. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm all right, as far as anyone is at the minute. How are you?
0: Yeah, similar, really. Um, Let's let's contextualise that a little bit. We're here on the 1st of June in, you know, times that have been tricky anyway, and it just feels like, unbelievably, things get even worse, so... What's been happening over the last few days? That's that's made you feel like that particularly. Would you say for anyone listening? Oh, I
1: mean that's such a long list. But uh. I suppose as you just said, to put like putting it into context over the last few days, um, everything that's happening. Well, the like murder of George Floyd in America and and the riots that have ensued, and it's just been really heartbreaking to. Feel the world on fire and people, you know, rightly feeling the need to disregard lockdown to go out and, and protest. Um, and one thing that I found really demoralizing, you know, social media can be such a great unifying thing, but it's, I found it really depressing that on every post, that it's for every empathetic post, whether it's helpful or not. There's always one guy <laughs> like on every single post There's one guy with a yeah, but white people or mm. but looting's a crime. And like it just really makes me despair to think, like, you know, what hope have we got if mm. on every single post there's one person in my network that has that opinion. So mm. so that's been depressing over the last few days. Heart-
0: heartbreaking is the word. I mean it's it's yeah. it's it is definitely that. It's like everything you see about it is it's really upsetting, you know, and I don't tend to get upset about the news really. I you know, I'm an avid follower of the news. I'm quite interested in history, I follow politics and stuff, and I'm usually able to watch it mm-hmm. in a in a sensitive but fairly detached way. But there's something so tragic about this sequence of events and it continues to just get worse if possible
1: i think it's it's probably heightened by the fact you know the backdrop of this is is that we're in this really unique situation and everyone's holding on to that hope that we can make some good come out of it mm-hmm. so i suppose seeing the same seeing no change and seeing the same kind of injustice and the same yeah the same hurt being cause it kind of maybe amplified by that
0: mm. yeah i think that's possibly the case and i think you're right about the whole social media thing as well you, you do see the best and worst of it and that thing about people wading in um with their opinions there's a few ways i'd want to go with that actually but before we get too far into that let's just provide okay. a bit of context that <laughs> we have spoken before and um Another one of the terrible things that's happened to me this year is that when I came to then edit that conversation up, half of it wasn't there. The file hadn't worked. So <laughs> we had to have this. I work. mean,
1: that is of equal magnitude. Obviously.
0: In that moment. <laughs> in that moment yeah. when i realized <laughs> um i feel like i've really qualified podcaster now because i think that happens to pretty much all of them at some point something goes wrong obviously mm, lessons, right lessons learned <laughs> it was something to do with batteries which i have now um <laughs> understood um <laughs> so th- we've spoken before basically and we're having this conversation but in that three or so weeks since we've spoken, again, the world just feels quite different and it was already pretty torrid at that time. It's it's just this year, just the way that it... Everything's paused, everything's bad and as you say, we're getting towards something better. Oh no, we're not. There's something else to go through first. <laughs> And of course, we should say, hmm. I'm not going through it, in obviously, in the same way as, as, as a black person in America or a black person in the UK or any of those protesters involved in it. But just the fact that it is existing in our world at the moment is pretty devastating.
1: Yeah, it is interesting because I'm trying to think back to when we, when we talked and where the world was at and where I was at. Mm. Um, it was a really good chat. I mean, <laughs> it was mostly just us chatting about the Beatles. I think which yeah. is always fun. Um, I think
0: there's, there's a fair reason that, it'll, uh, you know, it's possible that we'll do that again. It might help. It always helps to talk about the Beatles. A bit. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. Um, At the time, I was just recovering, I think, from being not very well. That's right, yeah. Physically. Um, So I'm much better now. But then again, like the whole situation has just progressed. Um, Oh, I I don't really know where to start. I mean, some good things have happened like in my little world. Uh Um, So I've like released a single now. I don't think I did that before. We spoke.
0: No, I think you were just sort of heading towards it. I think.
1: Um, so I could. We well, had yeah, the single is out, and I went on a virtual tour, which was quite interesting.
0: Yeah, tell us about um, that. Were they venues? Sort of. So she were playing at venues via their Facebook pages or their social media presence. Were they venues yeah, that you right. had performed that in real life? All of them.
1: Yeah, they were venues or promoters. Um. And there were two odd ones out because I also like my Plymouth venue quote unquote was DMS vinyl, which is mm. my vinyl manufacturer that I used. Oh, I see. Um, But they, they happened to run a venue as well. Um, and then my, my quote unquote Manchester show was louder than war, which is a music publication. Mm-hmm. So I like bent, bent the rules <laughs> <laughs> slightly, I guess. But my thinking was, so I was releasing the first single of um, the new album that I've uh, recorded and I really wanted to find a way to find new audiences without going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, so I thought that that might be a good way around it to yeah, basically take over Facebook and Instagram pages of um, yeah, venues and promoters and make it as much a, like a tour as possible. Mm-hmm. And it was a really fun exercise because firstly, it was just nice to have a commitment every day at the moment yeah um and what i didn't think would happen what did happen is i had like a core group of the same people at every show (laughs) so i had like people follow me on tour which was quite nice because that's never happened before um
0: that's interesting i was going to ask you about that actually whether it was a fact of discovering new people or new people discovering you actually is the right way to put it it
1: did it did work it did work so it was both i just hadn't anticipated how much of um it was definitely more sort of getting closer to the people who already know me and like my music. Mm-hmm. So it was just really like at the end of the week, the handful of people who were at every show, it like it was almost quite emotional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was like it was the end of the week because we we just hung out every night. Um but it did definitely work to a certain degree of coming, yeah, being introduced to new people as well. And um from sort of music business point of view i guess it's quite interesting to note that the shows were all free i just asked for donations as many i know you've you've yeah, done that as well you mm. saw that you've done some facebook live streaming um but as a whole as a tour it ended up seeing as i didn't have any like travel expenses or like didn't have hotel costs or anything kind of ended up making a very similar amount to what i would have done had i would actually gone on the tour mm yeah so that went really well and it was just nice it got some got some attention and yeah it was i felt i felt very happy that i'd managed to have the feeling that i'd done a thing yeah. if you know what i mean yeah
0: definitely and so that was one positive that's, yeah that's important and so having that feeling that you've you've done a thing is definitely a good way of putting it um, <laughs> and that thing about the the donations and the the PayPal and everything that people are doing it is it's a mm-hmm. really interesting thing at the moment it's sort of <laughs> there's, there's always these two opposing views of it isn't there? It's like people sh- you shouldn't give your art away for free you shouldn't do things for free you wouldn't you know that classic one you wouldn't have a plumber come to your house and not pay him and all this kind yeah. of thing which is of course true and we agree with that but then experience also shows that well these things are free <laughs> music is almost free and and I was reading something interesting in the day, actually, sort of talking about how if you're in, possibly going to be in a world where most people have got a decent digital printer at home, it could be a whole load of mm-hmm. products are actually suddenly nearly free if you just have to print it off. Your, you know, print the buy the kit from Etsy and print it off yourself rather than have something made and delivered <laughs> to you. It's quite an interesting. Yeah,
1: See, I don't. I don't think we're far away from that at all.
0: Yeah. So m- many industries, other than the creative ones, are going to have to find ways of monetizing stuff that's almost free. So, and then it's. Yeah. It's quite reassuring to find out that people do pay for stuff that's free. It's someone who's doing it, sort of the performing side of it. Have you got any thoughts on Mm. why that is and how an artist encourages that?
1: I think, to be very realistic about it, I think it's much easier to do when you've already been out and toured Mm. and made those connections. I don't know what it would be like if you were a completely new artist releasing your first track. Mm-hmm. I think that you'd you'd be facing more challenges then with that. But if you already have an existing group of fans, even if that's just a handful of people. um, I don't know if you've read, I, I read Amanda Palmer's book, The Art of Asking. Yes, I have, yes. Yeah, um, I really loved it because it also kind of like, post-rationalized to me what I'd been doing without really knowing what I'd been doing right, okay. um, especially the whole DIY touring crashing on people's couches um, and they kind of become your tour family and she just for anyone who hasn't read the book it's kind of all about um, how you I suppose let people pay for your music as opposed to asking the question how do I make people pay for my music because mm-hmm. she comes from like a street performer background um, so I think music fans at the moment are feeling very generous as well. You know, it's a really hard time for everyone, but for instance, I don't know, one of the shows, there was a mistake and my PayPal link didn't show up properly. Uh And the amount of people who pointed it out and took it upon themselves to sort of post in the chat, like, Hey everyone, the link's not working. Here's the right one. Uh Um, Which is just really great. You know, that you really do feel like, there are people out really supporting you and they've got your back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, the majority of the people who watched the stream didn't pay for it. And I'm kind of fine for that with that because, you know, with Facebook, it's hard to tell who's watched the entire show or who kind of tunes in for 10 minutes and then tunes back out. It's just a very different experience than actually buying a ticket to go see a show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Oh God, I, I totally lost your question. <laughs> what
0: was no, question? I think I think you've answered it. It's this. It's a sort okay, of a slightly course. weird alchemy thing. Of um, I think you put it right way talking about the apartment thing about allowing people to pay for stuff <laughs> rather than forcing them to. Um, I put a thing. I put my thing on my Facebook the other week, sort of saying, you know, music fans, um, do you pay for stuff that you can get for free that you know you can get for free, and if so, why? Mm-hmm. And the results yep. of that were quite interesting because the sort of consensus was is if I like an artist and I want them to carry on, I I support them, which I think we talked a bit about in our last conversation, which doesn't exist anymore, about mm. the whole um, uh, Patreon type of model where it's yeah. a commission. People like your stuff and they want you to keep doing it. So they want, they want to support you. Um, and we've got an interesting mix of the technology allowing that to happen now, I think. Um, compared to the traditional mm. methods just in terms of you think about it as a pre-order for an album or whatever it is as opposed to waiting until it's out and buying it
1: but there's a, there's another really interesting thing happening at the moment though because the whole live industry sort of being is that's just gone now mm. and um i don't know if you've seen like tom gray of gomez he's got this campaign going at the moment called record where he's got he's gotten a lot of t- attention basically just highlighting how how unsustainable that side of the music industry is. Mm. Um, I get a lot of music fans asking me now for my opinion on streaming services such as Spotify, Mm -hmm. as in they actually ask me, what's the best thing for me to do? Like you're asking me to go on Spotify, but aren't they, aren't they the bad guys? Mm. Um, So it's just really interesting because there's such a lack of like the music industry historically so intransparent. But there's still, whether you're actually making music or you're a music fan, it's really hard to know how anything works. Um, And there's a real, it's really important that we talk about this now because Mm. up to now, the conversation was always, well, you can always still tour and make money there. Well, now we can't do that. (laughs) So we need to figure out a way of creating a sustainable digital music economy.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And sort of right back at the start of the lockdown, I had this quite a bit of an existential kind of you know, if I'm not out gigging, who am I? That's mm. you know, for, for however many years oh, yeah. that's been such an important part. And not just the playing the shows, the organizing it, the contacting hundreds of venues to get five replies and organising diaries okay. and organising travel. That is such has been like my day job at various points over the last few years and <laughs> not on purpose, but something that I've become quite um What kind of proud of? Because the at most basic level, the ability to be able to book some shows and get a tour together on your own, and then go and play and have people come to those gigs, Mm -hmm. is quite hard, (laughs) and it takes you know it takes some practice (laughs) to be able to do that. You know, whole industries exist around doing stuff like that, and they're the job of three or four or five people traditionally. So to be an artist on your own doing all of those things, I think it's pretty you know pretty good so when you're tied up of- so
1: right and it's really nice to hear you say that because you kind of forget i don't know if i told you this last time we, we had a chat but like it blows my mind sometimes between like the disconnect of artists like you and me who like go out there and just kind of do it mm. and some more traditional industry because i was talking to someone at like one of the big distributors um and they were telling me that they just come across this artist like oh they were so impressed and can you believe what this woman does she just books she just contacts venues and then she just books a tour and then she goes and plays them and she actually makes money that way and I'm just standing there going like oh really how interesting because <laughs> <laughs> um, this person
0: yeah. was assuming that you had people who did for you for that stuff then
1: yeah I think also just it was less about me it was just more like a lack of awareness. if you're I don't know if you're a tech person working at AWOL you don't really yeah maybe you just don't know what the realities are of Mm. uh, yeah an independent artist like for me yeah it seems so obvious but i suppose it's it's not at all do you ever find the more you do it like you sorry go on do you
0: find it goes the other way though because i've had experiences where i've had someone at a gig you know saying Back to that thing we talked about earlier. Actually, I, you know, I will. I have to buy CDs and all this to support artists because it's so hard. You know, when you make you have you make no money and all this, and you're sort of standing there going, well, actually, it's not. You know, I'm doing okay. You know, because I'm working hard and all the rest of it. I'm, I don't want to be. a am not a charity. You don't have to buy my stuff for that reason. I hope you buy it because you like it. Do you know what I mean? So there's, mm-hmm. but then I get from that a little bit that they haven't done it and they think it must be really hard to do it, and it is. But it's it's not so impossible i guess but and i don't know maybe that's my own insecurities about these things i'm sometimes a bit like well keep your bloody money <laughs> well, no i'm never I, no i'm <laughs> i'm never never like that but i go towards some element of you know put me down i'm not not begging.
1: i suppose that's really interesting i think it's really easy to forget that most people buy into like most people have a secure nine to five job. And like to most people, just the thought of being self employed is kind of terrifying.
0: Yes.
1: But then true. if you make music, you know how no one can really distinguish between like making music and being an artist and being a sing songwriter mm. and oh you must like want to be famous or mm-hmm. a pop star. You know, mm-hmm. like people can't differentiate the two things. So I guess it's also like associated with this massive struggle. Mm. Um which it is, but like you say, like not always. Like lots of it is also, if you you know, if you work hard, some of it's really fun. So.
0: <laughs> it is anything worth doing is difficult. That's the <laughs> that's the other thing. Definitely, but yeah, it's tied up with yeah. again. It's this, I suppose, we're a real kind of transition, aren't we, between a traditional way of making and consuming and selling, uh, say, art, creativity. And newer ways of doing it. And people are at different points along the road, aren't they? And, and some people are mm. holding on to a more traditional value, a more traditional way of doing it, good and bad. Some people are embracing the new, good and bad. And then I guess the majority of people are just sort of somewhere in the middle trying to make sense of it all. Because it's the other yeah. thing is people who complain about um, streaming and whatever not treating artists very well. that's true. Mm. And, you know, somebody's making money from the music and it's not the artist. It's true. Right. But then the traditional label system wasn't really fair for artists anyway. And for every, I'm going to say it, Beatles or Led Zeppelin or (laughs) The Who or The Rolling Stones, the same people who are making loads of money from records, by the way, now, there were loads of bands who might have sold millions of records and were never never the the beneficiaries of that. So it's not as if everything about the old way of doing it was golden. You know, you had to be, I think you had to be fairly lucky for it to work out.
1: But even if you are the Beatles or the Who, you got screwed massively in some of those old contracts.
0: Certainly at the start.
1: So, hmm.
0: I mean, like the Stones are interesting because (laughs) I'm sure, I might be talking rubbish here, but I'm sure if you look at like compilation of stone stuff that quite often leave out the very earliest hits and you know that's a bit weird but it's because they don't own them or mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they didn't own them yeah. for a long time so why would they put them on their compilation they put the songs that they're yeah. the publishing for you know oh, fuck okay and then it's yeah it's just interesting i've always thought that those same bands who did become very successful through records and then through mega tours are the same ones who can still do mega tours, or well, not at the moment up until recently could still do the mega tours um when there's so many of the people who've fallen out. But that window of opportunity when it was all about selling millions of records in the great big Mm. expanse of human history and music was very, very, (laughs) very, very, very very tiny, really. Yeah, that's true. For the majority of human history, it's what it has been recently, which is just people making music and playing it to a few
1: interested people. That's very true. And especially this notion of performing your own material that you've created. Mm. that is also a very very new thing in human history isn't it
0: yes it is you know even
1: at least something that you've created because you felt like it and not because someone's commissioned you to correct to, yeah. yeah write a song about i don't know you this this kingdom or the color yellow or whatever
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right and that goes with other art as well you know when um uh, you know, painting the Sistine Chapel. wasn't wasn't that he really wanted mm-hmm. to paint the Sistine Chapel, it was that's what the gig was. That's what the guy he was paying wanted him to do. <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's, oh, that's that
1: was the covers gig of the day, is that what you're saying?
0: <laughs> Pretty much. It was the yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was. It was the covers gig of the day. But it's yeah. Gotta thank. paint
1: some angels again. <laughs>
0: God, I'm sick of angels. If you want angels, go to so-and-so. He's much better at the angel. Oh, okay, I'll do it. It's fine. I don't paint an angels. I want to be talking about anatomy or whatever it was. I'm not an art historian, but it's something along those lines. <laughs> um, good. There was loads in that that I wanted to pick up. Can we go right back to something you were saying before that about social media and that mm-hmm. there's always one guy who jumps in and says the, the, the shitty opinion? And yeah. Is it always a guy? Because a lot of my, <laughs> it's always a guy. Because a lot Sorry, of God. my um, female musician friends mm-hmm. uh, will tell me that there's always a bloke <laughs> or blokes. The traditional one at a gig is they'll come up and tell you you're using the wrong amp or whatever. Um, yeah. Particularly if you're a female musician, or they'll you know they'll just know more about mm. it than you, even though you're the person who's doing it. Well, on social media, yeah. that you know they weighed in with their opinions has that been your, kind of your experience as well
1: do you not find that as in i mean i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure you know i, I mean we, we've all seen like women for trump mm. um signs and other ludicrous things so i know they're out there but i think there's definitely i mean sweeping generalization here but i definitely think if you are a man of a certain generation mm. you definitely feel you've been brought up to feel more comfortable with or well, basically you've been brought up to to feel that your opinion matters and that everyone needs to, <laughs> to hear it um and you might feel more comfortable imparting your um wisdoms and, and opinions onto those whom you perceive to than as in like more vulnerable or more like, oh, oh, sh- she's younger than me. Sh- she must need my advice. Wisdom. Like, it's such a, it's a, <laughs> well, it's a really tricky one because, you know, I mean, all of the, you know, all these problems with systemic, you know, systemic racism, systemic sexism. A lot of the time there isn't, a, sometimes there is, but a lot of the time there isn't a bad intention mm. there, which is what makes it tricky um i'm not talking to i mean I, I don't understand how in 2020 you can be in a place in your life where you comment on someone who you don't know you comment on someone else's conversation with a yes but white people i don't know what went wrong in your life to make you think that that's mm-hmm. okay and I, i'm just so baffled that yeah that that's everywhere essentially just hurt people isn't it hurt uneducated people I don't, but yeah, that's a that's a big problem. We can't fix it in the podcast. <laughs> I don't think. It's a um, lack
0: of self awareness. I think is the bit that is, is always interesting about it. So I, I don't know. I'm looking yeah. on social media, and I, you know, I wonder if this is an entitlement of being a well a bloke really. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that did kind of thrust itself upon me in recent weeks: somebody who I was following without really realizing what their politics were, an American writer had Mm -hmm. said something about the whole Obamagate thing. So I said, can you explain as a British person what Obamagate actually is? Because I hear about it a lot, but I haven't really been able to find out what it actually is, what it means. And I got piled in on by these sort of Trump supporters who were calling me stupid for not, you know, already knowing or not for Googling it or trying to explain it very patiently. And then if I said mm-hmm. something along the lines of, oh, it's interesting that this is coming up now, isn't it? When you've got the 100,000 Americans have died from COVID-19. It's interesting that this story comes up now. And then it would just and then I had particularly one person and I know that you shouldn't, you know get into these arguments but occasionally you do because that can mm. be fun it was this <laughs> it was this person who i would say well trump said this, like literally he said this look here's a film of him saying it and this person would go out of their way to say that's not what he meant it meant this it meant this it meant this and you just kind of get to the point where you're like going back to the fan thing fans of people will really just support i ended up saying to this person what would what would trump have to do ever you know, hypothetically, yeah. to make you stop supporting him. And he said the only thing would be colluding with a foreign nation against America. Like, <laughs> he's, he's fucking done that, hasn't he? But if you don't think he has, he's fine, okay, whatever. And it's just, yeah, it's mad. But that's what social media is, isn't it? There's kind of no point in having arguments with people. It's not like having a debate with someone at the debating society or even down the pub because you can hopefully Mm. in those conversations you can come away from it and be like we have a different opinion but i can see what you mean okay fair enough it's not like that (laughs) on social media i don't think it just reinforces people's point of view it's kind of pointless
1: yes i've made a habit of whenever i see that inevitable comment like yeah but white people or yeah but men too <laughs> i cl- just click on their profile to just sort of get a gauge of well, who's who is this mm. and it's always the same it's always the same and it's so interesting because their reality looks completely different and the last time i got into an argument with someone like that because like you said sometimes you do because yeah. <laughs> it's fun until it's not um i I thought, like, I really went there. Like, I went into their feed. I looked at all the videos that they had posted. If that were my reality, if that's all that my social networks were showing me as well, I'd be scared too.
0: Mm.
1: And it is just so interesting that we live in this, in this world where um, capitalism just kind of curates our reality because, yeah. like, oh, they'll click on this and then they'll buy that. So let's mm. show them more of this. And it, it's just now we're kind of seeing what that leads to Mm. and it's just i like to sort of i think it's really funny when i have a conversation with a friend on albeit publicly but on on twitter Mm. and some completely random some man in northern california like trolls and comments like if i'm walking down the street you know (laughs) you wouldn't just jump into my conversation here would you i mean yeah it's that, that anonymity definitely and it's the dehumanizing right the forgetting that there's a, a person behind that account who's having a bad day or a good mm. day or you know it's a very weird thing that's very the, easy to forget
0: yeah that's the best advice i've ever heard about it with being trolled is like Try and just imagine they're having a bad time, and maybe try and feel a bit sorry for them and be kind. But it ain't mm-hmm. always easy <laughs> when they're being particularly yeah. objectionable. But I, you know, I'm lucky; I haven't experienced it too much. And that's not me inviting it, by the way. <laughs> if anybody now feels like
1: <laughs> ah,
0: what he needs is being
1: you had right. him. <laughs> but it hands. is it is true. This sort of you know, as a as a as a woman making music, that unsolicited advice.
0: Well, that was kind of
1: just really. Funny.
0: that was kind of the direction i was heading more in but then i'm aware that you maybe don't want to go there or talk about it so i'd say like for some sort of
1: that's very considerate of you. Uh, it's it's fine it's interesting because was it, that me it, mansplaining then
0: by say telling you what you want to talk about
1: <laughs> um i didn't feel it was uh <laughs>
0: do you think you should have
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel it happens less now, but that's probably just because I'm getting older and also I'm in a less sort of vulnerable position now. Mm. Um, but you do, I mean, the, the the bad thing is unless you have a very, very strong network to fight off all of this, you do internalize it. So at the beginning, when I started playing music, if there were people who told me, oh, you're a really good guitarist for a girl, I took that as a compliment, because mm. I didn't know any better, uh, or you know because you hear it's not just obviously music, it's your whole life you hear that kind of narrative, like "Oh, don't be a girl," or it's, there's always a negative association with your gender, so if you've just grown up with that, you kind well maybe not everyone, but I definitely internalized that and just took mm. it for what it was, and it takes a lot to unlearn that, and I'm still learning to trying really hard. To care less whether I whether I'm liked <laughs> or whether I like please people because mm. um, that's something that yeah if you're if you're a woman you tend to be taught that you're yeah that you have to be likable and and amenable and easy to work with and have smile and be polite and. Sometimes it would be really nice to know what it feels like to not care about that and just to feel like I'm in the right here. I've got my opinion. I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to say it
0: mm-hmm.
1: without any ramifications. So, <clears throat> yeah, I'm definitely still still learning.
0: Mm. And because the the whole thing with an artist is that some – I mean, I've struggled with this as well. Is you want You do want people to like you, and I used to think – a, mm-hmm. a piece of art should be a you know um, should just be good. Like it, you know, it, even it, you like it or you'll not. But you should have to say, well, that's got quality. That's good, but it's not for me. But of course, mm. it's not like that. Actually, the best things are. Some people will say that's fucking great, and other people say that's awful, and those are the best yeah. things. You you need that diverse opinion. Otherwise, it's just yeah, it's, it exists.
1: Yeah, you don't want it to be called nice. Yes, that's nice. nice it's
0: okay because <laughs> cause stuff that's okay yeah. doesn't doesn't do anything. But it took me a while to learn that really, and the way that you learn is to talk to other people about the shit music that they like, and the music <laughs> that you really like that they don't get. That's, yeah. um, and also to think we discussed this a bit last time. I think didn't we the fact that like. Uh, you know, I got, I think we both got the Beatles straight away. But then there's other, <laughs> we've had conversations with other people who have not got them for whatever reason. And it's kind of, how can you not get the Beatles? But then we also mentioned, I think, Bowie as well. And I didn't get Bowie the first time round. I had a girlfriend who was trying to get me into David Bowie, and I was being a bit snotty. or like, well, just, sounds like I was trying to be like John. Yeah. Running. And it's like, I completely missed the point. But now I'd love David Bowie, but but he he's one of those artists who does that with opinion, which is great because his his work is interesting. Yeah. You know.
1: Um, I do think there's a distinction, though, about, like, do they like my work or do they like me? Mm. As in, like, for, so I don't want to get, like, this is, going to get, this is going to get a bit dark, but part of the reason why women are taught to be likeable is a survival mechanism. Mm. You know, if you're in a situation where Everyone's physically superior to you, and you uh, say the wrong thing that can that can end badly for you, and that's how that's how deep-seeded seated is. So, as an artist, I totally totally get that. I mean, I still this is really um, <laughs> to be really honest, but when I send out a newsletter, every newsletter there'll be like one person who unsubscribes. Oh, I yeah. take it personally every yeah. day because <laughs> it's just which you really shouldn't. And the way that you just an email. I
0: but, don't know who you use. I use Mailchimp, and Mailchimp seems mm-hmm. to take this delight in sending you a notification to say you've had an unsubscribe. <laughs> Someone doesn't want to hear <laughs> and from then you they anymore. Tell you,
1: yeah, yeah. What's the reason? No longer. No longer Okay
0: yeah and you're like you weren't ever interested (laughs) yeah i know what you mean like what's changed what am i what was in this particular email that was was wrong as you then go off and subscribe from a load of emails chains that you're on because we all do it that's Uh, right
1: that's right i mean yeah the the that beautiful thing uh, of having a substantial ego and being like fraught with insecurities um that's that's how we songwriting people operate, isn't it?
0: I think so. It's a bit like with comedians, the way there's this idea that a disproportionate number of comedians are depressed people. And it's like, yeah, but Mm. isn't there just a lot of depressed people in society at large? Like, So I used to think this thing about being a, a creative is half the time I think I'm wonderful and the best and half the time I think I'm no bloody good. But actually, again, isn't mm-hmm. that just how everybody is in whatever they're doing? I don't know. I think there is. a I
1: mean, that's a really good point. I do think that's true. That is a very good point, And I had not really thought about it like that. I do think there is a unique it requires a unique sort of makeup of a human to want to put yourself through those things yes. like live performing. Yeah. Like get, getting up in front of a group of people and doing something hard is a weird thing to put yourself through.
0: Yeah, it is and expecting them to give you the attention of it as well like you know exactly i'm i would imagine you've had a, a similar experiences when i started out doing gigs in a pub open mic and nobody listened and then gigs were like that for a while and then you play half an hour in a room where no one listens till you do a no Aces cover or whatever it is and then <laughs> people start to listen and then you play gigs where people are listening and then if you ever end up at one of those gigs where people do, i can remember doing a a Christmas gig as a favour for a promoter once I'd got myself Mm -hmm. in this position where I play to listening audiences. And Mm -hmm. people talked a bit through my set and I was so put off, you know, put out rather. I was so angry. I was ready to stop playing. How dare you? And then I just thought, you know, a year (laughs) ago, nobody listened at all. And it's like, don't be a cock basically. But, you know, you're demanding. And again, going back to that thing of doing it all yourself – that's a bloody good achievement and if you're in a position where you can make a room full of people listen to your songs that you've written about yourself or whatever yeah. it is. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's it's not easy. But, yeah, it's a weird thing. I to play my
1: best gigs do. when no one listens.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's weird as <It's> you <laughs> come away from it going, oh, I sounded really good there. You know, it's a yeah. shame everybody <laughs> missed that. <laughs> yeah. That thing you mentioned. But I found. Oh, on, sorry. sorry. There's
1: always just, I've. I have found I know everyone's different, but getting nervous before a show does me no good. Ah, okay. The less I can get myself into a state of supposedly not caring and being nonchalant and mm-hmm. just going on stage and and doing it, pretending that I'm in a crappy pub where no one's going to listen, mm-hmm. and someone's going to say play Wonderwall, like the the better the better I'll sing. Just because for me nerves. I know people say, like, oh, if you lose your nerves and adrenaline, you just lose it. But I I don't agree with that. Like, for me, if I'm nervous, I just – my throat tightens, I can't sing as well, and my fingers are stiff, and I can't – I make mistakes that I wouldn't normally do. Mm. So
0: So does that thing – then it it makes it less high stakes than if you can just think, oh, it's just another – It's just another little pub gig or whatever. I heard an interesting, actually, a a Ginger Baker quote, which quite surprised me. Ginger Baker, the the drummer from Mm -hmm. Cream, who you would never expect would be someone who would have got nervous about anything. But (laughs) he was talking about the way he would play, you know, when Cream were playing these massive stadiums in the 60s. It's like it's just another gig. So whether it's, you know, the Winterland or whether it's a little jazz club it's just another gig and when I'm getting a bit yeah. hoity-toity about whatever I try to remember that it's slightly different for me it's more the thing of like um when well, there's not enough people here <laughs> or you know I'm, I've done this live stream but not there's not as many people watching my live stream as so-and-so's like there's not as many people as the last one mm. and then I, I mm-hmm. if I take the attitude of it's just another gig you know who cares you know that it is what it yep. is. It's happened, and that has helped me so much with so many things. Even like a song, you know, we would we've talked a bit about pitching songs and trying to get them to radio DJs and stuff. And it is that thing of um, being so attached to this piece of art because it means a lot to you that if it has some rejection, it mm-hmm. can be quite painful. But actually, you're going to write other songs. It's just another song, you know. And if they don't go for that one, that's okay. Somebody else will, and you can chuck another one at them. And that mindset has helped yes, me. Yes, the fact a lot, that really. it
1: that's that's good like that, everything that's out of your control it's just and it's frustrating that it is out of your control because you can work really hard and have a really great PR campaign that you did all by yourself and mm-hmm. still no one plays it and that's not even a reflection of the quality of your work it's just out of your control and you don't know who else released stuff that week and whether there's a global pandemic happening yeah, and absolutely. you know it's just yeah. So yeah, you can just keep doing what you're doing and be happy for the people who are supporting what you're doing.
0: That's very true. Actually. Have you found? Do you find those things difficult though, or or have you never? So it's sort of like I don't know. Do you compare yourself to the artists and sort of have that moment of oh well, yeah, what's going it's less. Then?
1: It's less that I'm comparing myself to other artists and and more so that I am, I am really ambitious and always have been mm. to the point when I was like, when I was 10, my, you know, my dad was a musician. So he'd, I, he'd work in like this youth club. Um, He would teach sound engineering and stuff. So he'd, he'd invite me in if we had time to like record stuff. Right. Um, As a 10 year old, I, my expectation of what I, how I wanted to perform in my head was so far away from my, physical ability as a 10-year-old child that like that every recording session would end in me like with me crying <laughs> um so and I suppose in a way like I've gotten I'm a lot better now but um that something about that um hasn't gone away so I'll have a list of sort of things that I want to achieve with you know whatever I do And they will be; it will be like aiming really high with stuff. And then if I don't get there as quickly as I want, or if I don't Mm -hmm. get them, it's really easy to get frustrated. Um,
0: And does that mean? Luckily, I don't. Sorry, gone.
1: Well, just luckily, I don't. I think I used to compare myself more to sort of peers. I don't do that anymore, and I'm really happy that I don't firstly because i've learned that you know everything looks better on social media like i know that people have said to me like oh it's going so well for you when you know that's relative isn't it like i've people have definitely said that to me at moments when it's really not felt like that for me you know and every there are very few people who use social media as a tool to be completely honest about all the like rejections and you know everything that sort of doesn't work out the way you want it to um, it'd be quite interesting to see how people react to that. So, um,
0: yeah. And that's outside of music yeah. and everything. I mean, it's definitely there, but just even the fact of the people who put, you know, oh, I don't know, should I say this? Our babies are so wonderful. Look at, look at Tommy on his first day at school. Doesn't he look clean? <laughs> and then I know that there's other parents who'll see that and think, well, I managed to get my kids to school with a clean shirt on today, you know I was feeling pretty pleased with that, and and you know uh, look look how beautiful, look at how, how slim we are, and we're on the beach and it's wonderful. It's like, oh great, yeah, you know I didn't manage to lose all that mm. weight I wanted to lose for the beach issue. You know it, it's the same thing. People only put out the best of themselves, and that's certainly the case with social media for musicians. I think we've spoken to a few people about that on this, and it's we all know that that's what's happening and that people are only putting the best out. But it, you still yeah. can. I can still get into this narrative of like, oh, fuck, you know, are they playing the best tour ever? How did they do that? Ah. But, you know. Yeah. It, it could be useful because that's part of getting driven, I think, in a way.
1: True. Depends
0: how you true. use it It's
1: also – but what I've really – I suppose what's really helped me, why I'm really not comparing myself like that anymore is because I've got a much sort of stronger network of – musicians now that are actually mm. my friends yeah so it's it makes the world of a difference to have like an honest open dialogue with people who do what you do yeah. because it's so intransparent and because there's so much to learn it's just really useful to hear someone who's work with Maya say honestly like it's oh hard. well I got that because yeah it's hard and oh this is how I got that or this is why I didn't get that and you know it's just really helps to be honest with each other and yeah, to help each other out. I
0: think so. And talking to people for this has certainly done, I mean, that was one of the reasons actually I wanted people who were maybe thinking Mm -hmm. about starting to do something to to have somewhere they could hear people talking honestly about things. Because when I was starting out, uh, you'd see those same few names playing at all the clubs and, getting all the radio slots yeah. you'd be like oh and then you slowly meet them all one by one and they're just people doing a thing and working hard yeah. <laughs> and the other yeah. thing is everyone's story is a little bit different isn't it so where person a might have a success with that thing you might never have that type of success there but maybe you're not supposed to you know that's not your yeah it's not your audience or whatever it is
1: mm-hmm
0: I thought about it, I don't know if I said this last time Some one of the things I come out with. is like if you were making toilet paper, you could make the greatest toilet paper in the world as far as as far as you're concerned. But a certain percentage of people are still gonna go with the bigger brand that they have known. So don't worry <laughs> about them, because they're never gonna be your customer. Worry about the people who completely get what you're doing. And
1: if and there's a global them. pandemic, you'll have all the customers and it'll be fine.
0: Exactly, exactly. People and I you know it turned out, right? People didn't really need to panic by all that toilet paper because there's still toilet paper now. <laughs> Although, I suppose the counter to that is that's because people had stopped up. To- I don't know. But it seems like there's no problem with toilet paper now, does it? As we, as we nope. knew there wouldn't be. No.
1: Nope. Panic is over. <laughs>
0: um, Something you. Oh, there's a few things. I've, we've rambled for ages, by the way. I hope I'm not taking up too much of your time. Um,
1: are you OK for time still? totally and i also i kind of forget this is the second time we've done this now and i kind of forget the podcast because it's just like a nice just a nice chat
0: i don't mind that and i think people will find so basically what i've found the feedback of this has been particularly for the musicians so like their fans listen in and enjoy Hearing stuff they haven't heard the musicians say before, I think, and hearing a kind mm. of a bit behind the scenes thing. And again, it's that thing: if they're your supporter, they kind of want to know everything about it. And then also other musicians and other creatives, I think, find it useful as we've just been discussing to talk about the yeah. the hustle side of things, which is interesting. Um, yeah. So let me ask you about because in this whole period where we can't go out and do the things that we would normally be doing, have you found yourself mm-hmm. considering? other creative outlets and other things that you might like to do and I'm asking that because I know that you've written a book as well which I'd like to hear a bit more about <laughs> and how the process of that happened and the process of getting it out as well
1: sure well hmm. I suppose the honest answer is I haven't because I haven't felt like I've had the time which sounds ridiculous because I'm not going anywhere. But I had the single out and I had the tour. So a lot of my time sort of went towards just trying to promote that and um, trying to sort of make the most of that. Um, I've also uh, I also do a bit of work for the FAC, that's Featured Artist Coalition. So I've I've hosted two events for them now via Zoom. Oh, right. um, so, yeah, so that's been that's been nice to sort of keep um, a bit of an artist community going. Um, And other than that, it's just really trying to, you know, I also think I had a steep learning curve with tech. Mm. So my main achievement in this lockdown period has been to successfully get my head around how to use logic properly. It's ridiculous that I haven't done that up to this point, but there you go. So I can now record myself in a sort of semi-decent way um, and get my head around all the streaming tech. So that's been my sort of thing that I've learned. And, and that's
0: thanks to people on I've Twitter, to, obviously, telling you all the correct. correct yeah,
1: truths. and very patient musician friends on the phone as well, like coaching me through it. Um, I've also, you know, had bad days where I've just struggled and not really been able to do much at all. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's really important to for the people to know that that's okay too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a really, really stressful time for so many different reasons and there's so much to worry about um so if yeah i'm trying to get on with it and i know that i'm happiest when i'm working and doing music things so i know that if i'm down it's probably because i i haven't done enough of that so sometimes it's a bit of a sort of spiral or a self-fulfilling prophecy um but yeah so i haven't I haven't really I haven't done much creative work at all. I haven't written anything. Um I'm okay with that. I know it will come. Mm-hmm. In terms of writing, I love I love writing. I'm gonna try and write so the book that I've got out is a it's called Tales from the Rails and it's just it's a tour diary. So it's a collection of blog posts from like my very first gigs through to playing Glastonbury. Oh, cool. And it's just and I've gone through them and, like, edited them, like, with little footnotes. Mostly this venue is now closed and like, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Um, but I thought it made for an interesting read because it's really honest and very – I suppose at the time when I was doing it, I didn't really appreciate just how DIY it was. So, yeah, so DIY – tour diary one of the nice things about it is that it's got lots of really nice illustrations by my friend james gardner oh, um, cool. so that's made it like more of a nice thing um, so i i've been i think i'm going to try and write a blog post about the tour that i went on <laughs> the virtual tour mm-hmm. um, so yeah hopefully a bit more some sort of creative writing and um, I can just
0: ask, what's the process of getting the book out then? What kind of method have you gone down with that? Is it a, it's a real, real
1: book? It's or, a real book. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real book. It's not available in digital format at all, which mm-hmm. I suppose is a bit of a weird choice. But when I decided to print them up, um, I just found a leads based um, company that, that, that did that. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought I'd try it out. And I only, I only, Pressed up, is that what you do with book? Not sure. (laughs) Um, published, also created 250 copies, right? Um, and just had them as like a merch item. So, I don't know, I've I've just got like a handful of them left. So, I'm not sure what I might put it on digitally once all the actual copies are sold out. Mm. Don't know, we'll see.
0: And how have people, but I definitely like the people found that, um. Again, going back to the true fan thing or he'll buy your stuff is it do you think they've just taken it as another piece of merch, or do you think people have been really interested in in the fact that you've written a book and and consuming something different from you?
1: yeah, definitely. I mean both of those things when everyone like whenever someone says like, "Oh, you've written a book, I always feel like I have to sort of correct them because, I didn't you know it's blog posts, so i you know i've not I've not written a book that makes it sound like um more of a thing
0: than I yeah cuz well, um, I don't know I mean I think I don't know I think that's what a journalist would do <laughs> they'd just collect a load of their um yeah. <laughs> articles or or um columns or whatever and one of my John Ronson I'm a big fan of and one I don't know if it's his first book but certainly one of them is just that it's a collection of sort of 10 of his mm-hmm. newspaper stories that he's put together and then as you were talking Frank Turner I've got a Frank Turner book that's a sort of tour Kind of a tour diary, but it's like he's picking the gigs as things got bigger for him over about ten years, I think. Um mm-hmm. because again, people find that really interesting. And it's it's a very honest way of doing it, isn't it? Sort of Yeah, I think that's really Yeah,
1: cool. mine's definitely it weaves the story, but the actual blog post itself, it is more creative writing than it is here's a DIY tour guide. Yeah. Like it's definitely it's um yeah, it reads more like little short stories almost um some of them are sort of more esoteric than than others um and i don't know i guess when i first published it i just had that weird thing of people coming to shows telling me things like commenting things about about me and i like my first reaction would always be like how do they know that and then i had to Uh remind myself like oh yeah i published that in a book (laughs) (laughs) that's that's why they know um
0: and you get people like you write about the gig i was there I remember that happening.
1: Yeah. Which is really nice because there are, I mean, there aren't, I don't think there are many people who would have been like at my very first gigs Mm. who now are just because of the nature of how, yeah, how it works. Um, But like you said, like gigging is just such a, it's been such a huge part of my life for as long as I can remember And also, like you said, all the things that go with that, it's Mm. the traveling. I would never have seen as much of the world as, and I haven't seen that much of the world, but 90% of what I've seen of the world has been through touring. You know, I toured the US twice, toured Canada, toured Italy. And also, like, you get to know a place differently, Mm because it's not like you don't go to the glossy, like, holiday bit you go to like the weird suburb outside of milan or you know so i miss that i definitely miss that sort of traveling side of things Mm -hmm. especially the way i did it because you're not stuck on a motorway you're like in a train and then walking across town
0: yeah is that the way you did it in most places Mm -hmm. then yeah yeah
1: up to very recently
0: I did that on the f- in the UK. It's always been driving, but my first mm-hmm. two or three times in Germany was on the train and it was a bit of a revelation really. Um,
1: how did you, how did you find it?
0: I loved it pretty much. Mostly <laughs> um, like even we went on the Eurostar. So like the whole thing was train. Um, mm-hmm. And Germany's a great country for doing that because there's just, you know, great expanses of lovely scenery and, on the one hand, it takes a certain stress out of gigging because you don't have to worry about directions. But then on the other hand, there's still like you'd never, <laughs> you, you still have sort of problems with time and stuff and the station's never quite as close to the venue as you thought it would be from looking at the map <laughs> and those little bits and pieces. And I don't know, I had a good adventure in Germany. Uh, I've done a bit of Holland as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed the train for that. The time I went and flew, no, I still did train once I was there, actually. I haven't, because I was on my own for most of them, so I didn't fancy the driving. I I do have a friend who um, used to go to Germany and all around Europe and drive everywhere. So drive from one gig, Mm -hmm. drive nine hours to the next one, sleep in the car on the way. And had a pretty bad accident on one of the trips in a car accident and you just think, oh, I'm not sure right. it's worth it. And just the stress of, you know, trying to find where to park and find yourself to the venue and all that. When you talking about nerves of gigs earlier, I was thinking, do I get nervous at gigs? And the bit where I, I don't always know it's nervous about the gig, but the bit where I go a little bit uh, fraught is that mm-hmm. is getting to the town and the venue and thinking about where you're going to park and have you got change for the car. But right. I, I can find all that quite stressful. And then afterwards, I think I wasn't really stressed about parking the car. I think that was some element of gig nervousness.
1: Yeah. And yeah, again, being,
0: being an independent musician, it's all the stuff that you shouldn't really have to worry about that gets in the way of good performance. Because I have had those, those points where I'm on stage singing and my head is still in the car park or the traffic jam or on the train (laughs) or with where have I put my suitcase in the right place in the hostel you know all those bits which again in the good old days when you had the tour manager perhaps you wouldn't have to worry about all that stuff so much you could be busy with the drugs (laughs) which you can't do in quite the same way when you're independent musician in my experience
1: I mean but you're so right about the I remember when I toured opening for Lambchop, which was just one of the best tours I've <clears throat> had the opportunity to to be on. Um, and a, at one point, they finally, like, offered me to sort of travel in their van because they had loads of space. It uh-huh. wasn't like a tour van. It was just like, it was just, just a car. Um, <laughs> but they had a tour manager, obviously, and they just drove them from A to B, and dropped them off at the hotel, and said, "Right, I'm going to pick you up in two hours, and then we we'll go to the venue for sound check." And yeah. it was a revelation. It was just like, "Oh wow!" All you have to worry about is do yeah. the sh- do the thing, yeah. just do the show, and you get to rest in a hotel and all that. Yeah. And that was just that was so novel to me because, like you said, you're wearing my biggest thing about touring. I don't have a driving license, which is why I've done done all these tours on um, public <laughs> transport but you're limited to what you can carry yeah um so your sound is limited by well i've just got my acoustic guitar cuz that's, that's all i can do um but it's the you're exhausted by the time you get to the venue because you've been schlepping a suitcase and a guitar across the continent yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's it's a very different sort of set of problems there, there is a romantic element about it, yeah. but and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it gets boring if you're just in a car and a hotel room. Like I'm sure that has its own set of sort of difficulties, mm. but definitely seems more appealing to me for a minute.
0: Anything gets boring, doesn't it? That's the that's the point. Whichever way you do things, because you know, again, being on your own has its advantages and its disadvantages. Mm. But you do find yourself thinking, "Why, well, if I was in a band, how I'd have someone." or someone to talk to, and someone to hang out with. Whereas if you're in a band, you're probably thinking, if I was on my own, (laughs) I wouldn't have to be watching him eat his breakfast like that again. (laughs) Um, Yeah, grass is greener stuff, isn't it, I suppose? So what do you think is going to be the – maybe you're not even thinking about it, but I don't think there's going to – I'm not going to say anything so bold. I'm not sure if there's going to be live shows in the way that we know them by the end of 2020. So I'm not sure when mm. that life is going to come back for us. Yeah. What do you think? And how do you feel about that? Are you, yeah, what do you think?
1: I I must admit, I've definitely been, it's like a gradual realisation, isn't it? I've mm. definitely been in denial. I remember when, so I was supposed to play a show at St Pancras Old Church in May mm. um, as part of the single launch. Um that the promoter was very quick to offer to postpone it to September. And I remember being really quiet, like a little bit resistant, saying, like, let's let's hold off, let's wait. But they, you know, they convinced me. And at the time, September seemed like really precautious. Mm-hmm. And now not so much. I don't know. I mean things are changing so quickly. Yeah. My my immediate family lives in Germany, and what terrifies me i mean i'm terrified at how can i can i swear on your podcast yeah i I
0: have already
1: (laughs) okay it's just the shit show of this government and how they've i cannot believe that we are in the country with by far the highest death toll and still by far the highest rate of people dying every day and no one's really talking about it Mm. like no one's they've managed to kind of just sweep that under, under the rug and pretend as if that's normal Mm -hmm. and not because they've massively fucked it up. And it's just, that's what's alarming to me. So for instance, my, my sister is not in music, but very much in a similar line of work in terms of like events and traveling. She has postponed events that are now actually happening. Sorry. In, um, in august and they're going ahead and so that's a very sort of positive uh where um,
0: those events in the uk uh
1: well this no (laughs) and that is the thing so in germany but also in switzerland Mm. um so they're going ahead and life is going back to a certain sense of normality but in this country i just don't i don't trust I just don't trust how it's being handled. So now whatever the new advice is now, I don't trust it. Mm. So I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't feel comfortable playing a show in June or July. And I wouldn't want to put anyone in danger and I'll just have to. So yeah, the show is still on sale for September, but we'll just have to see what happens. Won't we? Mm. Um, it will be very interesting also to see how Laura Marling's show goes at Union Chapel and what that's like. I know it's not the same thing as, so for anyone listening who hasn't heard, Laura Marling is playing a show actually in, filming it in, um, the Union Chapel and you've got like geo locked tickets to it. Hmm. So it's like a, just I guess, like a more professional live stream okay. in an actual venue. Um, I think we're going to see much more of that kind of a thing towards the end of this year um i mean i don't know how large like your gigs are but mine are definitely still of a size where i can i like i'm going to be gigging before stereophonics are going to be back gigging you know <laughs> um so although i don't know i don't know if the answer
0: i don't know if actually smaller gigs might be more problematic. Like I was talking to some of my friends in theatres and stuff, and I sort of mm-hmm. said, couldn't you do like half capacity shows, you know, sell half the tickets and everyone can be sat three or four seats away from each other? And you pretty quickly mm-hmm. think, well, yeah, you could, but then how do you actually make any money and pay for the staff and everything when there's less people in the Well, room? quite,
1: and I think that's the same problem for any sort of hospitality how, the words. <laughs> hospitality sector. <laughs> Definitely. Right? Like whether it's a pub or a restaurant, yeah, they can do that, but they're going to lose money.
0: Yeah, so I think it, I don't know if you can do stuff outside is one thing whilst it's the summer. Um, I don't know, but of course, sod's law means <laughs> sod's law. It's the it's the summer now. Pretty much, it's very yeah. warm. As soon as we, maybe August won't be like this, and then it will be really wet. I don't know because that <laughs> tends to be the way the weather likes to do things
1: a friend of mine did just joke and say like well I'll just play like in an empty field or be like any of the festivals i've played at
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, i'm used to people not turning out in droves at gigs it's not a problem people social distance <laughs> from many of my gigs does that thing yeah, you were it, just ahead of the curve yeah exactly there's that thing is it is it Denmark where they've done the drive-in festivals
1: oh i don't know i haven't heard about that
0: i, I think it was Denmark so like people turn up in their cars in front of a big stage mm-hmm. and someone stands on the stage and sings. And then I think the idea uh-huh, is you tune your digital radio in and pick up the, the live feed.
1: How do you perform to cars though? Again, <laughs> all of this is weird. None of this is normal. Um, ugh. Exactly. I hope that people, I don't know. What do I hope? Am I going to say anything of <laughs> it's just I really miss playing shows is what I'm trying to say. I, I think there's such a, it's such a magical thing when everyone like when people gather for a positive cause Mm -hmm. like whether that's live music or you know enjoying theater or you know there's kind of a religious element too to it isn't Mm -hmm. isn't it like if you're at a gig and everyone's that got that positive energy and everyone's singing the same thing i i think that's i think we need that as humans so i do hope we get back to it Mm -hmm. but hey if we don't gig this year we don't gig this year um we're going to have to deal with the fact that we're we've got an incredibly inept government that, I, that we don't that a large portion of people don't trust anymore and mm. we're going to have to to a certain degree sort of take matters into our own hands and make our own dis- decisions in terms of what's safe and what isn't
0: that's it isn't it that's sort of been my feelings over the last uh, week or two it's that thing of mm. we're gonna to have to go back to people making their own you know protecting themselves in the nicest way possible, as you know. Whereas it was all about protecting the the community at large, which it should still be. But it's going to be difficult to do that when when everybody isn't doing it. If you see what I mean. Um yeah. But it, for me, it goes back to right at the start of the lockdown or the week. I think we talked about this last time. So actually, the week before the lockdown, I had shows booked, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like the show must go on. You know. Uh stiff mm-hmm. up a lip, keep calm and carry on. And it's like, well it's not that situation, is it? Keep calm and carry on this time is don't do what you want to do. Stay at home and are you asking people to be in danger by coming to gigs? But it was yeah. really hard, I think, for all of us to know what the right thing to do was musicians, theatres and all the rest of it, because your whole soul says, Do the show, whatever happens. If the England mm-hmm. football matches on in the same room, play anyway. <laughs> if you feel sick, play anyway
1: yeah
0: yep, Just do it, do it. <laughs> yeah so it went really against everything so then when the government said things are closed the pubs and everything's closed don't leave the house it's in an odd way on that side it was kind of a relief because it's like well everyone knows where we stand then that's fine coming out of yeah. it it's kind of the opposite situation isn't it? it's like i'd love to go to the beach but actually is it worth it <laughs> you know like really um and I can probably miss yeah. one summer of going to the beach for the sake of what I don't want is for every, just to be in another lockdown again, the second time around, which I, I suppose is the way it's likely to happen. Certainly localized lockdowns. Um, Cause I think it'll be harder yeah. to put people back in the box once you've let them out.
1: Well, I think that's already happened with the whole, Oh God, are we going to like mention Cummings? But I think, I don't know about you, but if I, I live in North London, in a fairly suburban in terms of London, I suppose, yep. area. But now if I go out, people don't people don't care anymore. They're not wearing masks. They're not socially distancing. Mm. The vast majority of people are kind of over it now. Which is what I mean. Like that's that's what scares me because we still have three hundred people dying every day and we're still we've got yeah. <laughs> still so the highest you know it's, it's 300 in this country and 30 if that everywhere else across europe
0: mm. and it's just and the, how yeah the way what well, i have learned through this is kind of how adaptable people are in the sense that i can remember in i guess it was march seeing the death daily deaths from italy mm. or when italy got to a thousand people dying and Five thousand people dying and ten, and it's like, oh my god, that's unbelievable. Mm. And then pretty soon, before you know where you are, that's happening in your own country, and not that you accept that number of deaths, but it's happened a few times, so it's, it's, and it's just a really odd, it's a really odd thing. And then when the government does different lockdowns or whatever they do, and and you think, well, yeah, that's what they need to do. And you, the one for me, going right back to the start, it was when they closed Broadway in uh, New York and Which mm-hmm. had never happened before in history, and you suddenly yeah. go, "Fuck!" <laughs> like they've they've closed yeah. New York and entertainment. It's like, shit. This stuff's actually happening, isn't it? And it's, it's just, yeah. It's just weird. But then, as as always happens in history, I guess people just do. Well, you have to adapt and roll with it, don't you? Otherwise, you'd just be sat in a heap, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Humans are very, very resilient and adaptable. I think I might have I, I'm pretty sure I told you this last time we spoke but for me the moment was um I went to school with someone who now lives in Pakistan so I was sort of messaging with this in Pakistan and messaging with my lovely booking agent in America in Ohio and they were both we were all we were all affected by the same problem we were all isolating mm. and that's really when it hit home for me because god everywhere Everywhere in the world, this is happening.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is yeah, definitely. And uh, there's not really been a situation like that before, where everyone is kind no. in theory, on the same side against.
1: And it's the same. It's the same with war. Like what you were saying about the human condition of of seeing it, uh, thinking it's not going to affect you or it's not mm. going to come here. And then even when it does, it doesn't feel real. Mm. Like I was while well, listening to a podcast with from Syria. And they were saying even, you know, you you never think it's gonna be in your country in your lifetime until it is. And even even when it hits your country, you're like, well, it it won't be in this neighborhood. Yeah. And then it is. And it. you don't really realise it until you're on a little boat <laughs> in the ocean. Yeah. So Definitely. I think we just all live life day by day and deal with whatever comes because we don't really <laughs> know what else we're we gonna do.
0: Mm. Bringing it all back round that social media thing I saw recently was someone being very sceptical about it all because they don't know anyone who's died of COVID. <laughs> You're like, oh wow, okie okay. dokey fine. Mm. Um, yeah.
1: Well done for tying a nice loop and, uh, <laughs> around a really our very depressing rambling chat. chat. Loop. Well done. It is a depressing loop. <laughs> um, it was a more damning conversation gonna...
0: this time, wasn't it? But you know, that's the, it's where we are.
1: Well, we didn't talk about the Beatles, and that's where
0: we went wrong. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I didn't get any sort of biographical stuff, but it's because we did it all last time. But I think that's fair. I think anyone listening to will still find all that stuff interesting. Was there yeah. anything else that you? And it, wanted? you know, gone.
1: Oh, anyway, it may have been a more downbeat conversation, but I feel—I know—I really value talking to people at the uh, minute. That sounds more trite than I than I mean it to be, but no. it's like that connectivity, whether it's. You know, I know Zoom can be exhausting. I mm. actually quite enjoy just talking on the phone with you for mm. that reason. Um, but it's you know it's nice that we're talking to each other. People are talking to each other more. I, you know I'm talking more with some members of my family than I would do otherwise. Yeah, so, there's a funny thing you know, in
0: that definitely. Like yeah. I was I had a week where I socialised three nights in a row with different family and friends and stuff and I was like, I wouldn't normally do mm. this. But of course the beauty of <laughs> it yeah. is you don't have to drive home anywhere and you can everyone can drink, which isn't the normal situation. But yeah,
1: yeah, I also really love getting ready for meetings with like in five minutes, as in like huh. pre lockdown. As I live in London, so it's like, well, I would have been on a tube like an hour in advance and I am yeah. just really enjoying saving that time (laughs) not having to do that but you know we're in are we in the middle of it who knows but just saying
0: i hope in some ways some of that stuff remains. like i think people who who've been able to do some of their work via zoom just meeting i was talking to someone who's like a film director producer guy and he was saying you know Mm -hmm. usually when you're um having a script meeting or pitching something to some company you have to do that thing on the tube and all that for a 40-minute meeting whereas now they've been doing it over zoom it's like well that's got to be better hasn't it like for people's time and their mental health and the environment as well surely so I hope some of that stuff can continue and businesses that have said oh no you can't work from home now have to let their people do it so i hope they continue it but you can't help but fear that they won't yeah
1: it's a very, very interesting moment in all of our lives. Very succinct. I put, really, yeah. really, well, I really hope that, well, I'm just really looking forward to seeing what we're going to do with this moment,
0: mm.
1: you know. <laughs> so we'll and,
0: yeah, I mean, it's that whole thing with the arts as well. It's like, did we talk about this last time? I remember that, you know, Up until the start of this year, like, the arts was a nice little bonus for kids at school. You know, it's nice if they want to do that, but it's not going to give them a job. And it's not important. It's a nice bonus, you know. Um, The one I was talking about, because I've done acting stuff, is everyone gets paid. When you're doing little small pub theatre and stuff, profit share, Mm -hmm. everyone has to be paid. The stage guy has to be paid, and the the techie has to be paid, and the bar staff have to be paid. And even the ushers who are out-of-work drama students, they have to be paid everyone apart mm-hmm. from the actors because it's, they enjoy it and it's that yeah. thing of that's the position arts has here really yeah now all of a sudden all of the normal stuff doesn't matter in the same way it can't be done and the arts has kind of come to the rescue for people whether it's learning an instrument or just spending time painting or reading or watching Shakespeare on the telly it would be great mm. to think that one of the outcomes of this would be people appreciating that more but I'm yes and that people just won't. being
1: more creative
0: exactly being creative and taking taking creativity on as well
1: yeah
0: but I well wonder. let's hope <laughs> same as the nhs like suddenly the nhs they're all heroes and it's so important well they were anyway you know will the outcome of that be that they have more support or will they just go back to be taken for granted again i don't know
1: Well, that's kind of all part of what I mean with the this is just a very important moment Mm. and there are lots of different directions we can go in. So I suppose all we can do is hope and help do our bit, whatever that bit is to steer that into Mm. a positive direction.
0: Okay Roxanne that's great at this point I would usually say uh, what have you got coming up (laughs) but it's all a bit different at the moment so I guess what's the best place for people to listen to your music and uh, find out what you're up to?
1: Well I'd love it if you'd go and have a listen to my new single Arrays if you haven't already so that is out on all the usual digital suspects so Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Bandcamp Um, and my website is roxandabastian.com Or I am at Roxanne Music on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Okay, great. Thank you, Roxanne. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. See you next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast. If you could subscribe to the podcast, share it, like it, comment on it, review it, tell all your friends about it, all of those things would be fantastic because the more that people do that, the more that new people get a chance to hear the podcast, join the community, and enjoy the content that we're putting out. You can find me at robertlanemusic.co.uk and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as Robert Lane Music. Please get in touch. Let me know if you're enjoying the programmes and who you think I should talk to in the future. Thank you. Till next time. Goodbye.